Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone, especially my U.S. listeners, had a good 4th of July. We didn't put a podcast out yesterday because it was the holiday. And I figured y'all were going to be out hanging out with your friends and family. So today we got a brand new podcast for you guys with a dog owner. Well, you'll listen, but let me give you the rundown really quick. It's a dog owner who has a new dog that went into the vet office and attacked all the dogs in there. And she's struggling with where to start, how to start. Uh, I go over some secrets on the things that every dog owner, I think should start on the, the five basic pillars of the different behaviors and so on and so forth. So I said, a kind of help her where to start and how to, how to work with the dog and really just kind of dig deep and see what's going on. Um, also, we just announced the full U.S. tour. So if you guys are interested in coming out to see me, uh, we're, gonna, we're going on tour this November in the United States. We have uh, the tickets on sale for the U.K. London seminar already. Link is in the description, you guys. I'll give you a brief description really quick on how things work. Um, every weekend that we're out on tour, uh, or almost every weekend, we're doing a seminar. So in between the seminar uh, locations, we're doing private sessions. So we're doing a couple private sessions per day per city. It's the only way we really could have um, made the trip as because it's hard when you're working with dogs because you need uh, almost a full day. So we couldn't do a seminar every day because people have to work. And so doing a seminar on a Tuesday, Thursday would not have made sense for us and our team and the people that were potentially going to come. So we're we're doing stops in between that offer an AM and a PM session. And so the way that it works is we're, we're doing like, for an example, we're doing Atlanta. The first stop is Atlanta, which means we're going to be in a location. Some of these locations aren't nailed. They we're still working on the best spots, but in Atlanta, for an example, we're doing an AM session and then a PM session. And we have a whole a crew of people that are going with us. So we didn't do audit spots because we didn't want to charge somebody audit spots for people who we don't know. We just didn't know what was going to happen. This is our first tour. Nobody else has ever done anything like this um, in the industry that I know of. And so it's hard to see how things are going to go and what other people are doing. This is the first of the, it's kind. We're going on tour doing dog training almost every day in a tour bus with a crew of people. And so it's better than nothing. I mean, I understand that people are frustrated because things sold out. I mean, every single location almost sold out within the first day. And right now we have some availability in Texas and in Florida. And I think in one working spot left in LA. But anyway, the seminar spots are working spots where you come and bring your dog. And we only have eight of those per seminar. So 
we have audit spots, which is unlimited. We can have as many people as we want to come and watch. And so we have audit spots in a lot of the places, but a lot of them are sold out. But you guys can always come. But the, here's the thing that I, I people don't people don't read, unfortunately. I, I The amount of questions I had to answer on things that were in the post was really disheartening and, to be honest, just very frustrating because people were asking, where are you in Texas? Where are you in L.A.? Are you coming to Atlanta? I mean, I mean, it was it was it was almost um, hard to respond. Anyway, please read uh, all of the posts that we post about the tour because it'll give you every bit of information that you're going to ask. I know people get excited and they jump the gun and they're just so excited, but please, it's 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 very uh, it's tremendously hard on creators and, and individuals because it's so frustrating that we put all the time and effort into making this post and making this flyer and making the website and then people ask are you a dog trainer that's coming to Atlanta? It's like, yes, we are. So anyway, the in-between spots, guys, we have an AM and a PM. We didn't do audit spots for those, but every single city that we do, no matter what, no matter if it's a seminar spot or it's just a one-day spot, we are doing a meet and greet around 5.30 to 6.30 at the venue. We're going to be selling merch. We're going to be taking pictures. We're going to be asking questions. So everybody has a chance to come out regardless, and that's kind of why we did that is because we knew that we didn't want to sell audit spots because I didn't think it was fair because I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, and so we did an AM and a PM, which I think are all sold out anyway. But you guys can come and hang out and still meet me between 5.30 and 6.30 and, and ask your dog training questions. Um, and still, that's why we did this tour. Half of this tour was to go out and to train. But the other half of this tour was to go out and meet you guys, meet the No Bad Dog Army, put a face to a name and a name to a face, and for you guys to ask me your questions or purchase that tour merch that we're bringing, or just support us. Like if, if we've helped you in any way, it'd be great for you guys to come out and buy a t-shirt and and take a quick picture, and, and we just want to meet everybody, and we want to do the best we can to accommodate. So don't worry. Every single city that we're going to, we're doing a meet and greet between 5.30 and 6.30. Make sure you follow me on Instagram when we go on tour, because obviously things could change because it's a tour, and we don't, we're not, we're not at a point that I could do huge venues where we could do theaters. We could do a theater tour. Um, we're just not there. But I think in the next couple of years, it'll be a lot easier because I'll be able to do a theater and everybody could come and we could do whatever we want. But until then, um, come out and support us on the tour. We're very excited. Uh, my whole team and I have been working behind the scenes really hard on getting all this together, getting the locations, getting the bus, getting everything together. And of course, the UK tickets are still available. So make sure you guys click the link below. And if you have any questions, uh, I'm going to be popping up on Instagram Live between now and then to be answering those questions. So anyway, we're going to get into this. And if you guys want me to answer your dog training questions, make sure you go over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review. And at the end of the podcast, I'll be answering three of your dog training questions. And we got three loaded up for the end. So make sure you listen to the end for more dog training information or for your question to be answered. Let's get into it. The issues that we're having, they're really nothing new. It's things dealt with on your channel before. I think for me, I've watched so many videos about it that I'm just not sure what equipment would work best for my dog and kind of where to Um A little story about him. He adopted him about three weeks ago. He came into our yard and needed some help. So he's been a great companion so far. He loves people. He gets along with my four-year-old, my five-pound chihuahua. Acts him fine with that. A um, couple of issues have cropped up, though. One being that the first time I took him to the vet, 
I, we walked in the office and he just went full on attack mode and just attacked every dog in there before I could stop him. He jumped on a little beagle. I thought he was going to rip her throat out, um, but he actually didn't hurt her. He just got on her. Um, it happened again last week. We were at the beach. Someone asked if they could bring their dog over. I told them his situation, but they're like, can we try? And I was like, sure. He was fine for about 30 seconds and then again went full on attack mode. Um, but he's fine with cats. <laughs> like the cats that were at the vet's office, he was rolling around on the floor with them, loving all over them. Um, the vet thinks that maybe he was attacked by dogs. When we found he was in pretty bad shape, he had worms and ticks and nicks and scars on his side and the vet found buckshot inside of him. Um, so obviously he went through something out there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know part of it or if he's just never been on a leash before. Um, the vet thinks he's between six and 12 months. So obviously still a young dog. Um, so I don't know if it's more leash or if it's more dog. Um, it is an issue for us though, because we have a very outdoor lifestyle here and we'd like to be able to take him with us. It's very dog friendly here. Um, so that's the first issue. <laughs> Okay. I think you just have to make sure that you're, you're advocating for, for him. So just making sure that you give people that stern no when they ask is the first thing, because we'd only be talking about one incident if we did that, you know? Mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> so that's the first thing. And then the other, the other thing I would say is just making sure that when you are in public places, like you said, these are things, these are very basic things that I talk about. Everyone has behavioral problems, but <clears throat> you have to make sure that your obedience is good. Your, mm -hmm. your obedience is your communication and your control. So if you don't have those two things, you can't touch anything else. Forget right. it. Forget it's there. All you do is you hold the dog back, you get him in the room and you move right. on. So what's your obedience like? Well, it's, it's new, <laughs> you know, because we've right. only had a week. So I've been trying to teach him a couple of basic commands, um, like heal, sit. He seems pretty smart, like he's picking up on things pretty quickly. Um, but I'm not, you know, I've seen right now all I have is the flat collar. I bought the e-collar. I just, I'm not sure how to introduce it or when to introduce it with him. Mm -hmm. I've seen like a slip knot, a prong collar, the e-collar. So for him, I'm just not sure which I need to have to really get that obedience. Because um, I've watched all the, the videos about popping it and, you know, the command of leave it and things. It's just, what do I use for him first? Just start with a slip leash. That's like the safest bet. Slip leash. Just get the ones that we have on our site. Just make sure that it's it's high and tight, high and snug, right behind the ears. And really what I suggest is just have a toolbox of things. So you can get a prong collar, you can get a slip leash. The e-collar is nice too, but all of those things are going to help you communicate. These are all tools to communicate with dogs. That's why mm -hmm. that they were invented. It's a, it's a, they're tools to safely communicate with dogs to help you reinforce and enforce certain things. 
So when we're teaching new stuff, it's going to be reinforcing good sit, good down, good leave it, etc. And then when they know the behavior, we're going to enforce and we're going to use the tools to help us enforce these things because they don't get, they don't care if we tell them that we mad, we're mad at them and we yell at them. We have to actually enforce things in a way that they understand. So I would just <clears throat> get yourself a slip. You can you can get a, a prong collar as well because you might need to just kind of move up a little bit and, and use multiple different things. But uh, like I said, I, I just think right now if you don't have any communication, you have no uh, skills to – it's like – adopting a child and they don't know manners and then mm-hmm. getting upset that they're rude in public. It, right. So that's that. That's it. Get yourself a slip and start off with with that. Because right now he's you got to really zoom out a little bit and realize that all of the things that he's doing that you don't like, he's not getting punished for. He's not he, nobody He's in a room and he's he's taking hammers and he's throwing them across the room at people's faces and nobody's doing a thing about it. Nobody. So that's mm-hmm. so of course it's not going to get better. Of course he's not going to know it's wrong. So as soon right. as you start teaching him manners and you start teaching him how to communicate and you start teaching him how to behave with with enforcement and with consequences and with accountability, you're going to see a drastic change. But unless you do that, it makes total sense. Of course, my dog is doing all these things and we're not doing anything about it. Does that make sense? Yep, check it off. Right, sure. which I don't want to be doing. I don't want to be doing nothing. Um, my other question, I guess, is with obedience training, where is the best place to start? Do you start with heel? Do you start with sit? How long do you practice these things? Do you wait until they're perfect and then move on to the next command? Or like, what's the best? I don't want to confuse them yeah. either. Yeah, yeah. So, so that so we're actually developing a course right now because this is a question we get all the time and it's something I personally I don't have a lot of opportunities to do. I'm really in like put the fire out mode as a behaviorist or as a behavior modification trainer or whatever. Usually a dog comes in on fire and I <laughs> and I have to help the owners put it out. You know, the big problem is the fire and then we can work about reconstruction after that. So my point is, is um, we, we talked about this and we put together a course. We did it with a puppy, but my basics are the place command, sending your dog to a location, the stay command, which is stay there, the come or the recall, mm-hmm. the heel, which is walk nicely. And those are like my core. And then with this puppy, we did like crate and stuff like that. But those are like my core stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So start just basic things. Start with what I would start off with is, I don't know, for some reason I want to say like leash identity for some reason, but it's really, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but you you have to teach the dog how to yield to leash pressure first, to be honest. Like that's the number one thing. There's a, there's a video, I'll talk about it, but there's a video on my YouTube channel that's called uh, the number one trick to stop your dog from pulling or something like that. It's with a golden retriever. Benny in Arizona and that goes over that in depth but essentially I want you to like think about going way back to the basics of if you can teach a dog like what some people call pressure and release some people call it leash pressure some people call it yielding to leash pressure it doesn't matter the point is is when you apply pressure to a dog on a leash it's best 
if they fundamentally understand how to shut that pressure off. So it's called mm-hmm. it's called negative reinforcement. So if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm adding so it's like I'm adding pressure to a dog. Say they're facing that way and I'm facing this way and I'm adding pressure with a leash and they turn around and 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 turn it off and yield to that and come to me, it it's removed. So I'm reinforcing the good behavior by eliminating or taking away the pressure. It's a very mm-hmm. basic thing. But that's that's what I typically do is I get I get the dog in a situation where I can apply leash pressure and I can teach the dog how to shut the leash pressure off. And that will give me an opportunity for the dog to, to understand at least, at least, at least when the leash is applied, that they know that they have to change their, their behavior or they have to change their attention. That's honestly where I would start off with. And that Mm -hmm. can take like a day. Okay. You let them out on a leash and you give him some leash pressure and then he may turn and give you attention and then you reward him. You say, that's it. Whenever I'm applying this pressure to you, you have to, you have to change. You have to yield. You have to, you have to do something, right? You have to look, right? So that's, that's where I would start off with. And that's very basic, but I did that in that video of, I mean, technically that's what everybody should be doing, but that's a really, it's, it's a very like cerebral, like very, uh, time in it, 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 it's just, it's sometimes it's just too much for dogs owners. They're like, I don't understand, but that's mm-hmm. what I do is I just teach the dog how to move with the leash. And then you can start teaching some behaviors. And the point of that is, is when they feel the leash pressure, they go, Oh, I'm, I'm doing something I shouldn't maybe, or I need to pay attention to the handler or I need to mm-hmm. engage. So mm-hmm. if, if we spend two days, if we spend two full days, on and off throughout the day, pressure, release, pressure, release, pressure this way, release, pressure this way, release. You're kind of doing like four points, north, east, south, west. And every time you pull and the dog jumps towards you, they understand that they have to, and it's not necessarily, um, it's, it's not necessarily always a directional game of, I want you to go to this, this direction, but it's also an attention and engagement thing. If I'm applying pressure, you need to pay attention to me. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm giving you information, right? Mm-hmm. So then when you go out and you start doing uh, like the heel command, so say you did that for two days and then you're, you're starting the heel. You have a wall, you have the dog, and then you have you on your left side. So you're walking on the wall and you're basically applying leash pressure as soon as the dog passes your discretionary uh, leash pressure or mm-hmm. your heel. So everyone kind of has their own thing. But as soon as his his paws start walking past your feet, pop, pop, you give him pressure. And he, and he remembers, oh, that means something to me. And that will, that will really help you. And if you spend two days on the wall teaching him basically one, two, yes, break. So you, you have to, what I would call like handler capture. So th- this means how is the dog going to understand so this is where like clicker training comes in, marker training. I, I basically the dog has to understand when they've done something right. Okay, so if he's on the wall, if he's in between you and the wall, and you say his name, you say heel one, two, three, and he walks nicely. You break and you break him out. And then if you can do that in three steps, then you can do that in a hundred steps. And then uh-huh. the other side to that is is you're adding 
positive, you're adding the leash, which is punishment. So positive punishment is going into the equation. As soon as the dog like goes too fast or goes too forward, you're popping the leash. And then as soon as he gets back into position, the leash shuts off. Right. Uh So you're doing that to teach him in the beginning because what a lot of people do and including myself, because again, like that's a, that's like a perfect world type of environment to learn in. It's not always realistic for a lot of people. Like a lot of my clients live in really big cities. Um, and so they can't do that right as, as much as maybe some other people could. So sometimes you just have to go out and just immediately use punishment and immediately use a correction to say no. And that works fine. And that's fair because still when, when you have a dog on a leash, that's trying to drag you down the road, it's still fair to say, whoa, 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 hey, 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 no, we don't do right. that. But they're not going to get it as easy and they're not going to, you know, it's not going to be as sustainable. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how you start is you start in your house, in your home, in your garage, in your basement, in your hallway, or even in your driveway. And you start to copy and paste these things as you evolve. But just mm-hmm. remember that each envi- each new environment that you go into, don't try to lead where you left off in the last environment because they're two different environments there's levels to it and that's the biggest if anybody were to ask me that would be like my second biggest piece of advice that almost every dog owner fails at is they develop this nice heel inside on your on your hallway and say you did 30 steps and you've been doing it for two days and then they go outside and then they try 30 steps nope go outside and do five steps and then just build up outside too because they're they're just such different environments that it's not it's not even close to the same to you it is because heel is heel but to them squirrels birds dogs chipmunks rabbit etc so and it's the same thing so same thing with place same thing with stay same thing with sit same thing with leave it same thing with recall everything is a template for let me show you what i want in a very reasonable fair environment to teach you and then you start to go into heavier distractions as you go, and that's it. And the enforcement for some dogs is going to change. So the enforcement is going to be what are you going to do to enforce certain things? Like how are you going to enforce the speed limit? How are you going to enforce your kids going to the room and they they th- flip you off instead? What are you mm-hmm. going to, What are you going to do to hold this dog accountable? That's fair, reasonable. Etc. And that's where the 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 cool thing about dog training equipment, like the slip leash or the prong collar, or your voice or whatever you want to use, and that's where I think that that's where things kind of get muddy for some people and some dog trainers. Is it's not a one size fits all. It that would be absolute. Right. It's it's absolutely inhumane and and unprofessional for anybody to say this is the training style that works for every dog this is the this is the right reward that works for every dog this is the right tool that works for every dog that's that's ludicrous imagine a kid going through school and then they're having a hard time and all the other kids are not and then you're like well we'll just put that we'll just put that one away we'll just keep everyone else that's you got to be you got to be universal so this is where your tools come in so how how big is your dog right now still a puppy but how big he's about 35 pounds. okay so he's not going to get like huge right so no he's he's probably just about full grown yeah so i would just say like 
So right there, we can start with that. Okay, we have a 35-pound dog. Maybe he'll get to 40, whatever. But he's not a St. Bernard. He's not like, oh, he's pushing 120. You know, he's not he's not a 90-pound Rottweiler that's solid muscle or, you know, whatever. So these are things that we immediately say, okay, what are you working with? What do you got? It's like going fishing, right? You go fishing, you have like five-pound test, or are we shark fishing? Do I need do I need a thousand pound test that that looks like wire coming off the spool? Everything mm-hmm. and, and different hooks and di- there's so much different stuff. It's the same and just like contractors, they show up to a job. Oh no no no, I need this. I need that. Right? Is this commercial? Is this is this whatever? So so immediately when you have a 35 pound dog, it's like okay, 35 pound dog. We could probably get away with a slip leash. Just start off with that because if mm-hmm. if we had again like a hundred pound dog that was pulling you and is big, you're going to need more enforcement. You're going to need something immediately. We'd immediately go to a prong collar because the dog's just not going to give a shit about the slip. Just not, right? Mm -hmm. So I would start off with the slip and then that's – so I think a lot of people such as yourself get kind of overwhelmed with everything and I I understand that. But just remember that the the equipment that you're using – is secondary to what you're teaching. So it's just a, like, again, think about it like kids. doesn't matter if you're a parent or you're a teacher or even if you're a boss with employees. It, it You have to just say, like, this is what I want you to do. Do you understand what I'm asking you to do? Yes, I do. I've done this a 100 times. Great. I need you to do this right now or in five minutes. Got it? Okay, cool. And if they don't do it, that's where you have to use some sort of enforcement to say with kids, it may be, okay, give me your iPad or with, with employees, it might be like, Hey, like I asked you to do this. What, you know, I got to hold you accountable for this. I need you to stay after work to now get it done. Now it's, now it's, so they go, Oh man. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So there's gotta be some sort of accountability. It's the most direct, fairest, simplest way to teach a dog that, Hey, you know, this, I know you know this because we've been developing it. We've been working on it like we just talked about, the healing, the placing, all that stuff that we've worked on privately. And then when you go outside, so say you go into the doctor's office, the vet, mm-hmm. you go into the vet's office and he goes, ooh, dog, you go heal. And he goes, yeah, but, and this is going to happen. This is this is reality, right? This is reality mm-hmm. training. He's going to go, screw the heel, there's a dog. And he's going to pull. Then your enforcement is what gives him some sort of accountability, so we can talk about, mm-hmm. well, let's get a squeaker, let's get a treat, let's tell them no, let's be stern, let's just pull them out of the room. All that shit, it's not going to work. Like that is never going to work for 99% of the dogs out there. If you hold them accountable immediately and, and right in the butt, right when it happens, no. And that could be, uh, it could be a, a leash pop, it could be a prong collar, it could be a slip collar. And to some degree, it could be an e-collar. But the enforcement is secondary to what you're asking. It's not, let's get a prong collar out and correct the dog. It's, mm-hmm. let's teach the dog what we want them to do alternatively first. And then, yeah, if we need something to help enforce to communicate with the dog because they're animals, they don't understand English, mm-hmm. that's what we use. So just think about, try to be more proactive on, I got to teach this dog what to do alternatively. If we're pulling on the leash, do they know heel? No. Well, then we can't talk about pulling on the leash. It's mm-hmm. like, my dog won't come back. How long have you worked on recall? Well, well, then we can't we can't work on that. So you have to develop the basics first. Mm-hmm. My other question is about recall. 
um, because we do live kind of in the country. We have five acres. It backs up to the National Forest. We also have a couple of neighbors and a road at the end of our street. He is a dog that likes to be in the woods. And he's good about going off, coming back, going off, coming back. He's very good at recall, actually. He knows his name now, except when he doesn't want to be. <laughs> so, um, And we, we have worked on recall quite a bit over the last few weeks. But if he sees something across the street, he's gone across the street. That's part of the reason why I bought the e-collar um, is because I want mm-hmm. and to be able to let him off eventually when we're hiking and things like that. And I want that confidence that he's going to pay attention to me when I need him to. Um, so is it best to just keep him leashed in our yard for now until we work on these basics and then introduce the e-collar and then move on to something else? Or can I kind of simultaneously work on th- you know, a couple of different things, if that makes sense? It does, yeah. So I would be – the e-collar in your – application is is in most applications for creating a safer off-leash life for dogs the e-collar is going to only be introduced after the dog knows the behaviors so the e-collar is going to reinforce behaviors and it can enforce behaviors but you just have to make sure that the dog under and this is just my preference of teaching dogs the remote collar You, you need to make sure that when the dog feels feels the remote collar, they know what it is, where it's coming from, all that stuff. Unless it's just it gets confusing and it can muddy the water. Right. So you, you gotta you gotta do the recall first, and then you can start. So basically, the like I said before, there's like the four pillars of place, recall, stay, and maybe heal. Right. If I were to guess, those are like my four that I primarily start with. And the e-collar is going to help you reinforce things. So it's going to be in conjunction. So we're going to go sit. We're going to hold the e-collar. The dog's going to sit. We're going to take our pressure off. Good sit. We do that for about a week with every behavior the dog already knows. We say, come, tap, tap, tap. The dog turns. It shuts off. Negative reinforcement. So the dog is going to pair. So now, so let's talk about conditioning. So dogs are so so conditioned animals, right? So you get the leash. They go, I know what that means. You crumple a, a, a snack bag. They go, Oop. Is that for me? Mm-hmm. You say, want to go for it? And they go, whoop. They know what that means. Somebody rings the doorbell. They know what that means. So dogs are very conditioned. The simple objective of the remote collar, very strategically, is to use modern technology via the remote collar to teach them that that low-level stimulation is also you. It's a very simple concept that so many people have a hard time getting over the fact of, of we've progressed so much in the last 10 years uh, with technology. But essentially, the conditioning from the remote collar is the same exact conditioning of anything else a dog conditions on. All we're using is low-level stimulation so we can wirelessly control the dog. That's it. It's a very simple, 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 simple concept. Um, it's a new age. It's a modern concept. It's it's still developing. We're still getting better at it. But it's a very easy, fun fun, fun thing to do, but essentially you're not going to, so again, like the, say you work two weeks on the recall and the dog knows it well, then all you do is you take your e-collar that has 120. So like my collar that I have with doctor has 127 levels. 
humans typically don't feel it. And I've done multiple videos of this. We put it on my neck. We put it on other dogs' necks. We put it on people's arms. We've done this a million times. But essentially, humans usually don't feel it on their wrist till about an 11 to 18. And we don't feel it on our necks till about seven to eight. And our face is usually a five to seven, right? So very low. And what we typically do is we tie in the remote collar stimulation with a level three. So the dog feels it, doesn't hurt them, doesn't shock them, doesn't freak them out, doesn't, it's no aversive. It, it doesn't do anything other than tap, tap, tap them. And they don't know what it is. I, I've done this so many times where I've held the remote collar down on a dog and they don't care because it doesn't mean anything to them and it doesn't hurt them. It doesn't, it, it just is there. But if you start tying in obedience with that, so you go, come, tap, tap, tap. They turn to you, poof, it shuts off. They go, huh. So it's, it's essentially tapping somebody on the shoulder. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So, so you just start. Okay. So we, you teach them all the commands first. Yes. Then you can that and okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. I, and, and I do have a, I talk about this a lot and obviously I have, I, I teach about it a lot. I have my own remote collar as well. But so we developed a, a remote collar course that it's a two hour course that we filmed for collectively, I think of 10 hours. So it's a lot of information on how to introduce the remote collar. So if it's something that you want to do in the future and it's something that you want more information on, you can certainly dive a little bit deeper because it can be very, um, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll have to like figure it out as you go. Cause there's going to be questions, but that's why we made that course. So when we get off the phone and, and in two weeks, you want to start introducing that and you go, Oh wait, but what about boom? I, I created an entire two hour course that you can take on it. I did buy it. I bought the e-collar. It's just sitting in the box on my dresser right now. <laughs> I haven't even opened it. So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, which is nice. I mean, I'm glad that people are being smart about it because you, it, and, and everyone says that they're like, I know that this remote collar can be so amazing and I want to have it. And I want to mentally know that I have it sitting on the counter. So when I'm ready, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And that's good that, you know, there's that, because that's the thing, right? Is I could, you could go out and buy a $30 piece of crap put it on your dog, not know what it is, mess with the numbers, put it on wrong, do the wrong settings, and A, you get nowhere, and B, you could freak the dog out, and then, but then, you know, then I teach, you know, online for free, or on YouTube, or podcasts, or whatever, how to do it right, and there's still so many people who do it wrong, and you just, you know, is what it is, but yeah, that's it. All right, well, I think I know where to start. So I'm going to get the slip collar. I guess I can just start watching some of your videos about (laughs) teaching the four pillars and really focus on that for the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, so I can give you a quick like rundown on how you would do it. Okay. But it's like we talked about earlier is you just start with basics. So get into an environment that is you know, stable. It's, it's, it's not gonna, you're not gonna have people or dogs or people knocking on the door, freaking everything out. I just get a normal training leash. You don't even need to slip at this moment, just training leash, flat collar and a reward treat bag, um, a tug toy and whatever. And all you're going to be doing is, is I would just do like two a day. So if you're going to work on place and then stay, you can do those together. So you go, you, you send the dog to the place and they're like, I don't know what this is. You give them just a little bit of leash pressure and they get on there. Yay. Good. You go, yes, good place. And then you pay them 
And they go, huh? Yep. And then you say, okay, break. That would be the, the last thing too. I'd say like five things. The break command is also huge into this. And the break is just that blow off steam of like, you're done. So you say break and you just kind of get the dog off. And then you go right back. People make this mistake is they go, they, they're so clunky. It's like a clunky thing. And I can't teach people not to be clunky, like dan- like dancing or playing playing uh, a music, um, um, any instrument. Is it's like oh, you got to have more finesse than that. You got to be smooth. You got to you got to move. You got to be fluid. And there's all of that, right? And you ca- some people they cannot learn that. You cannot teach them that how to move their hands up and down a fret on a guitar or how to move their body as a as a, as an artist, right? And this is something that's hard. But here's what I want you to do: is think fluidity, think ballerina think finesse when you're doing this so you get a leash you get your treat bag you hey buddy go to your place he's like what you give him a little bit of place or pressure he gets onto his place and we're not correcting him we're just giving him direction so we're just kind of t- again pressure release right like a horse i want you to come here and that horse will go this way i want you to go here and the horse will go this way same thing with the dog give him pressure they go there all of the pressure goes off from you and then you pay the dog immediately so you go yes good place and then you say okay break Mm -hmm. and you say place and you move them over and you say okay break and you just you i mean you could do five different place commands in 15 seconds and then you give them a a break break you're like all right take 20 Uh and then you hit it again and then they'll learn they're like oh getting on this place command gets me paid i like that a lot and then eventually they'll just start doing it. And that's that's where you start is you say place and then – but don't – what a lot of people do is they go place and it takes them, I don't know, a minute and a half to get them up there. And then when they get up right. there, they hold it for a minute and then they very uh, not funly like kind of break. They're like, okay, break. So you got to make it like – so use your body and your voice to move the animal. Hey, let's go over here. Okay, good. Okay, let's go over here. And you just break the dog off and, and the dog will follow you. And they're like, oh, this is great. And right. then for an example, then once you get that, so to introduce the remote collar in your head, you go, when is the right time? When do I know? When you can give the dog a behavior without any pressure, like if you say, hey, buddy, go to your place. And then they do it. No leash, no food. They just, they go, I know what this is. And you say, stay. Or if you say, hey, buddy, come, and they go right back to you. That's when you can start adding in the low-level stimulation. That's it. So that's just some – because I think a lot of people are like, it seems simple, but they're like, how do I get started? And if you're doing it – if you're doing it very clunky, if you will, like just – it's not fluid. Dogs dogs like to move with you. So you say, hey, let's go over here. And you just use your momentum and your shoulders, right? And and so – in your voice inflection on how you do it. So it'd be very neutral. Be, hey, buddy, place. They go there. Good place. Okay, break. And you break them off and you're moving your body. Like if you just stood straight up like an arrow and you said, break, the dog's going to look at you like, um, I don't know that one. But if right. you if you kind of put it into muscle memory of break and the dog hears it and they just jump out of position and you're moving with them. So there's just a lot of like nuances that go into it that certain you know, dog trainers will hear all the time, man, you make it look so easy. It's because our timing and our body is moving. It's more about how you're moving with the dog than what you're saying to the dog. So that's why it's like you give, you know, ex musician a guitar and they're just like with their eyes closed ripping. You're like, that looks right. like I could do that. And then you get it and you're like, no, 
there's just so you know what i mean there's just so much um artistic value that goes into like moving with an animal it's there's a lot Mm. to it so anyway that's kind of like i think where a lot of people get hung up is they're like this isn't so rep it out fluidity come on let's go let's go let's go and you're working with the dog and you're having fun um and then Mm -hmm. and then you just and then you work on your stay you say stay you back up two steps you go and you pay the dog into position. A lot of people have the, I think, the inkling to recall the dog from there. And you were trying to teach the dog to stay in position. I want you to stay right here. Don't move. Right? And if we're encouraging the dog to jump towards us and move towards us and run towards us, it's kind of defeating the purpose of getting them to stay. So what I what I tell my dog, dog is very simple. You do stay. You come back two steps. Go two steps forward. Good stay. You pay the dog in position. And they go and they go in their head, are we done? You go, nope. And so if they start to get up, you give them pressure. And they go, wait a minute, but you just paid me. So they're thinking, okay, when I get paid, it's done. We're ending. And you go, no, no, no. Okay, break. And they go, oh, so I have to. So you're telling me, okay, if I do this and then I can't get up until you do this break thing. And you go, yeah. It's on my terms. You can't get up because then what it'll come down to is we go place. He goes, yep, boop, stay. They go, got it. You move backwards. You go to the left. You go to the right. You back up. You fake to tie your shoe. And they go, I know I'm not getting off because, you know, I I didn't hear the break, right? So then you go over and you go, okay, break. And then they get paid, right? You take the treat. You throw it on the ground. Muscle memory, break. And they run away from you. And Mm -hmm. then. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. and then somebody okay. somebody comes in the door and they go, ooh. And you go, uh-uh. And they go, oh, yeah, right, right. No, break, right? I didn't hear that, right? I didn't hear that cue. So then that's where that's where things start to click is your everything has to be on your terms. And it, it not only will help you with your relation, like it'll help you. So I always talk about a little and a big, a micro and a macro. So the little thing is, is your dog is learning place, sit, stay. But the bigger picture is, is your dog's relationship with, this is where all the behavioral problems happen right? This, the relationship is why all the dogs get into the shelter and whatever is because dog owners don't practice this enough. They're like, oh, my dog doesn't need to know place and sit and stay and come. It's like, well, maybe not because maybe you live in the middle, like you said, like in a, a Colorado wilderness, you got a hundred acres. And I don't, my dog doesn't need to know anything, but the, but teaching your dogs things is relationship development, so mm-hmm. when you do say, hey, get your butt back there because there's a cougar or a bear or whatever, they listen to you. And so there's there's a big picture right. that is missed when people just neglect obedience because maybe it's not applicable to their lifestyle. But that's where dogs right. get anxiety. They get stress. Mm-hmm. They don't know who's in their Dogs really want somebody to take charge, right? Mm-hmm. And taking charge doesn't mean to be militant and very disciplined all the time taking charge just simply means that you have to call the shots and the dog goes okay i got that they've been doing that since day one with mom they understand all of this and that's and as a behavior modification specialist if you will that's the problem with almost every single dog that i see regardless of what's going on except for genetics and you know things that are you know they're born that way if you will is that is people don't spend enough time. Like think about kids. If you, I saw a little one pop into the screen. So 
if you don't sit down and help them with their homework or their ABCs or staying between the lines when you're drawing, I mean, the micro is, is they're learning how to draw between the lines and they're learning one plus one and they're learning A, B, and C. But the other bigger picture is, is they're looking for you to teach them that. And they're like, hey, is it, mom, is this okay? Is this, did I do it right? Yeah, buddy, great. And they go, yeah, I knocked it out of the park, which then builds confidence, which then if something happened, right? If, if, if a meteor fell into your front yard right now, they all, mom, what do we do? Because they're, they're so used to saying, hey, can you help me? Is this okay? Am I allowed? When you pull up to a street, they reach up to grab your hand because they know, oh, you got to help me, right? Or when you pull mm-hmm. up to an amusement park, they don't get out of the car and run across the parking lot. They have to wait. They have to be patient. And all of that is done through fundamentals. And that's the most important advice I can give anybody. Like obedience is good and, and all that, but the bigger picture why dogs have so much pro- – and, and so many dogs have a problem just looking at their owner and going, yes, can I, can I do this? Can I be excused from the table? Yes, you may. Or no, you can't. And that's – the best piece of advice I can give everybody because that's what I see every day. People come in with a problem or people have a problem and it's because they don't spend enough time hanging out with their kids around the table at night doing homework. They need to know, hey man, we got to do this. I don't want, we got to do this. Let's go. And that's, that's what creates the best relationship. And that's what makes dogs the happiest. They just lay around the house and they go, are we good? You go, yeah, we're good. Okay. I trust you. Yeah, that that's definitely what I want to have with him, with him especially. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that a lot of dog owners don't take the time. I'm guilty of that. I have a five pound Chihuahua. I did not train her because whatever situation she's in, I can just pick her she's up. Five and pounds, take her. right? But having a dog like this has really me that that's not possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I can't just pick and remove him or. If I'm not paying attention, he could pull me and drag me or, you know, whatever. And I, I understand now that I've, I've done a disservice to my chihuahua because she probably needed to be trained. Yep. Um, and I don't want to make that same mistake again. So, um, yeah. yeah. It's a mental thing, too. That's, I talk about that often with smaller dogs is that's why they get the bad rep of yip yappers. Why, why do all the small dogs act the same? It's because everyone treats mm-hmm. them the same, like you said. If there's a right. problem, zoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have the same DNA as a wolf or a Great Dane, or I mean, they're the same dog. They don't know that they're that small. We we tell them that they're that small, right. and right. that's why smaller dogs have anxiety. And when you mm-hmm. put them down, bark, 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 and they bark at everybody, or if you come over right. and give somebody a hug and they're in your arm, they try to bite them. That's why. It's because I mean, you already know. But but again, like that's I try to just tell people, you know, that you gotta just have balance. Of like hey. Stay, hey, let's just, you know, yes, no, yes, no. It's just all this balancing act, you know? And I think I think the big missing picture is, again, I say kids, but it could be employees or nieces or nephews or just humans in general, right? You're standing at a stoplight and somebody's on their phone and they start walking because they think that it's green and then you just grab them by the back and you pull them aside. You're like, no, we, te- we help them, we teach them. Say, no. And, and with dogs, I think a lot of people understand that what their dogs are doing is wrong, but they don't know how to communicate properly. And sometimes with some particular dogs, it could be difficult because some dogs are easier than others. You can look at a dog and they're like, okay. And then other dogs, you have to really be more assertive. So anyway. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I have a place to start now. <laughs> so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Sure. Cool. All right. Yeah. And then I, I would just say, um, you know, in the future, uh, I know you got the e-collar, the e-collar class, and then um, the, like the pill, we're calling, I think a puppy Kickstarter, or like the pillars of whatever that should be coming out this month too. I think it's going to be like 99 bucks, but it kind of goes over all the four or five things that we spoke about as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I don't have it out there. Like I don't, like you're saying, do you have a video on that? And I'm like, uh, I, I do co- over the years collectively, you can probably pull these things, mm-hmm. but I don't have a specific, you get a dog. What should they know? What would I teach mm-hmm. them? And that's what mm-hmm. we did. My, my assistant got a puppy. I'm like, let's just get this out of the way and get this done. So that'll come out hopefully this month, but awesome. Yep. Okay, cool. Anything else? I don't think so. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time with me today. No problem. Good luck with everything. Enjoy your week. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I could be getting into your dog training questions. Uh, Fifi Montgomery. Hi, Tom. New listener here, but feel very defeated recently. I've had a dog for two or three, two years now and finally get back into training after a vet recommended it. The first trainer I went to when I first got her was a reward and food base. So the dog has became, become very manipulative. My dog is super reactive on walks to just about anything. And she barks and has growls, snarls, shows teeth and nips. And she has a shrill pitch if you try to touch her paws or when trying to put anything over her head. I've been having trouble finding a martingale harness that doesn't go over her head. So now now the trainer has recommended a training collar, but she has the same reaction when anything uh, goes over her head. Um, uh, I'm feeling lost in how to use the tools. The trainer has shown me. I would just take your time in order to get this dog because because I think the the collar is going to be huge. Obviously, the, like you heard in this podcast, the collar is your communication. It's your way to communicate with the dog. So I think just taking your time to desensitize the like if you know you can get a piece of equipment on and then help the dog train, don't worry so much about the actual training. Worry about the collar conditioning. And this is this is sometimes common with dogs. Um, what I would do is is do the absolute best you can to desensitize the actual collar and to desensitize the, the the process of getting the collar out, paying the dog, getting the collar out, paying the dog, getting putting the collar in your hand and having the dog eat the kibble in between your fingers and things like that. Like those are the things that you have to start doing. To de- So my point is focus on desensitizing the equipment, focus on putting on the equipment versus trying to slap the equipment on. I think you're focused right now on the training and the speed bump is the collar awareness or the the behavior your dog does when you try to put a collar on what you should be focusing on is desensitizing that collar and then worry about the training that's what i would do all right raptor chick 13 hey tom i started listening to your podcast about a month ago and wow i have so much success when i've applied your balance training techniques to to my sessions with my six-month-old pitbull terrier from e-collar into basic obedience healing on walks even off leash recalls However, my question is in regards to our one and a half year old French bulldog mix, he was a COVID puppy and he fractured his tibula at six months old. So between the lockdown and having two months of crate rest, we have fairly reactive small dog who hasn't socialized as much. He's not a dog aggressive because he's met other dogs successfully and he loves his dog siblings. But when he was first sees other, when he first sees other humans or dogs, he barks, he growls, he has hackles go up etc. So I have a hard time calming him down even after I get his attention so I can correct him. His basic commands are fairly good, but I was looking into some direction on how to calm his reaction down. I would say 
just re- redirecting, like making sure that you turn your dog. Like there's a video that we're putting out today. Today's July 5th. Uh, with a with a German Shepherd that I would recommend watching because this is kind of we talk about this a lot is redirecting the dog's attention, making sure that um, you're able to move the dog's head because I think successfully unwinding a dog that is reactive and successfully unwinding a dog that is building is huge and it's a huge skill set too. It takes time, so I think making sure that you're so. I don't know the context of if you're correcting the dog or what's going on, but you need, as your dog starts to build, you need to take the head of the dog and move it around. So if it's building towards something, don't just stand there, cut your dog off with your leg and go the other way and redirect your dog. And that's what I would do is just use your body to really redirect this dog's attention and do quarterback recalls and directional changes and just move the dog around to start blending this dog in with somebody else. Anyway, that's, that's what I would do is don't just focus on, on redirecting this small Frenchie. Um, but you want to correct the behavior. Yeah. So he's obnoxious for five minutes because you're probably sitting here letting him stare at that thing and bulldog or Frenchies can be very obnoxious just in general with, you know, how they react, how they breathe, all the noises they make. So move the dog around recalibrate, re-anchor the dog's attention on something else and then move forward and just use your corrections to help with that too. Okay, good. Next one is from Cage Drish 19 An amazing balanced training podcast, I think is the five-star review. So thank you for that. I've been trying, I've been training dogs a long time and I love this podcast. I love soaking up every bit of information that I can, that I didn't know. My favorite thing about listening to this podcast is how you talk to the clients and how you suggest training to them. I struggle with verbalizing what I'm saying when I train dogs and this podcast helps me immensely. Great. That's something I was thinking about last night as I take a little pause on that is what I started to realize as we venture into new things in my career kind of behind the scenes and the projects we're working on is, and I've said this before is I think a lot of people can train dogs like me. And I think, and I know there's a lot of people who can train dogs better than me, but I think what separates me from other people or other people from me and, and not just me, but just what really helps dog owners the most is somebody who can teach the owners well. So I'm glad that this is, is hitting home for you and, like, like you said, is there's a lot of people out there that are just really great with dogs, but unless you can teach an owner how to do it, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. So I think that that's something that I, I think, um, people learn a lot from some of the way that I maneuver and navigate and patiently go around with dogs owners. So anyway, my question is for my Aussie service dog. She's a little over a year and I trained myself. She's an incredible dog. I can walk her off leash with thousands of distractions around and she chooses to stay right next to me in a heel. When I give her a release command, she'll walk like a yard ahead of me and then check in and circle back without me even saying anything. Her commands are place and stay. She performs perfectly. She literally is the best dog I've ever had and I have consistently trained her since she was eight weeks old. The only problem I have with her is that at home she barks at people at the door and at random things like if my brother comes up the stairs or she's in my room or she's downstairs or my family member, she just comes into the room from another room. She even does this when somebody gets up from a chair in the living room and walks, just changing the pictures, what that is. Um, so basically what I'm saying is breaking this down is 
you're looking at it as I don't understand it's my brother I don't understand it's my dad or I don't understand these people have been here why do you it's they're not your dog is likely not barking at them they're they're barking at the change of picture I'm going to keep going with this. I put her in a place with the e-collar. When someone comes at the door, I correct her via e-collar and verbally. She stops for a second and then continues. It's a nonstop verbal barking. It's like an interval barking when I correct her. She still barks under her breath. So what I would do is I would go back to the leash. Sometimes the e-collar just, they don't care about it. Um, so I would just go back to the leash corrections. Her other barking that's not at the door. It's just so random. Again, it's not an it's not a nonstop bark, but she'll bark one to five times, and I haven't been able to pinpoint what sets her off. I believe sometimes it's alert barking to let me know that someone's there. I would agree. I didn't train that out of her soft barking. If someone comes up behind me while we're out because of I disassociate sometimes where I live and it isn't 100% safe area, I think maybe it's protective bark. Could be. But it's escalated and it makes me frustrated when she does it at home. She only barks if I don't see a person coming up from behind me and we are out of my house. She knows not what to do. I literally am just so annoyed at this point. Sorry for the long description. Uh, I have no idea what to do and I'm searching for any help. I mean, it's hard to see because it's hard to think about because I can't see it. But what I would say is just really um, try to put her on a leash more. Don't give her so much freedom. I think if you can start to grind out some of these things on the leash, especially when she's barking when people come into the door, I would put her back on the leash and don't give her so much freedom so you can kind of get back down to the basics. That's what I would do. As far as the random barking, it's a shot in the dark for me because I'd I'd really have to see it and I'd really have to know the dog of what's going on. But I think that you have a pretty good finger on it about it's likely this alert barking where she may hear something because dogs hear things that we don't. Dogs smell things that we don't. Dogs are just like that and so i think it's probably alert barking so if there's a lot going on in your area that that could be you know doors slamming cars going by people walking by these are all things that could certainly trigger your dog so the only thing i would tell you without really seeing it or diving too deep into it within a conversation is to go outside and start desensitizing these potential sounds so if she's inside and she's barking at these random things then i would bring her outside and just face them just say like, hey, these are these are what you're hearing inside. So let's let's work on that. Um, so that's it. Hope that helps. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you later this week. Have a great day. Bye. Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.